0: This is the Gear Patrol podcast for Friday, November 12th, 2021. I'm Nick Caruso, and I am glad you're here. It is the time of year when leaves are falling and temps are dropping, but product news, it just, just keeps popping up. I like that. poor, Yeah, poorly delivered, but uh, there we go. Case in point, though, uh, three stories we're going to talk about today. Electric vehicles, first up. Uh, a new report from Ford says that most customers buying its new electric version of the F-150, the Lightning, will be the will be first-time EV buyers. Uh, and we'll discuss whether or not we've reached an EV inflection point. Then, Martian ketchup and the urgent need for a more resilient coffee bean variety. Did you know that your favorite drinkable drug is in danger and that Heinz is prepping for space-based farming? We'll get into that, too. And lastly, Netflix Games comes to mobile Apple devices. So we'll talk briefly about what Netflix Games is and then whether, you know, real, true, tried-and-true gamers will be interested in the service. And then we will wrap up with a little bit of show-and-tell of our favorite gear from the last week. So, oh boy, there's a ton to discuss. And with me to do just that is... Platforms editor, J.D. DiGiovanni. Hello, J.D. Hey there. Hey, hey. Also on the airwaves this week, editor Will Price. Price,
1: Price. <laughs> What's up, Nick?
0: <clears throat> hey. Uh, thank you both for joining, and happy today. I don't like to ruin the continuity for listeners, but it is the day we're recording, which will remain a mystery to everyone. What's the latest? We are, we're all in the same borough here in New York. It's a little gloomy. It's fall. November, you got any any updates for us, guys?
1: Man, it gets dark at, uh, I think, 5.16 is my official count. Full dark, not just a little dark, full dark. Um, So you're screwed if you like going on, like, a post-work run, you know, unless you are okay with running at night. And uh, I hate that. So if you live in the southeast or anywhere where, you know, you're not absolutely pulverized by time change and, you know, shorter days or what have you, just, like, count your lucky stars because it really is a pile of garbage. Wow. That's God. what I got. <laughs> Bright and sunny. Jeez.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could you could light up a, a dark winter night with that kind of attitude, <laughs> Will. Uh, Jeez, now uh, you have to have something optimistic. Yeah, I was just in California for a week, and I came back the night of the time change. So I was jet lagged, and then I got this weird hour situation moving around. It's very strange. Um so here we are. It's getting dark already as we record. So let's move on. Uh okay, first up today EVs. It seems like people are talking about EVs nonstop, right? Everybody always talks about them. I always talk about them. We talk about them on this podcast all the time and who among us has not suffered like Tesla fatigue. Um <laughs> but uh, ubiquitous as they seem EVs in the in the landscape, consumer landscape, EVs are still a relatively small category in the automotive space, right? Like not a ton, not a humongous number of people are buying them. However, it's growing rapidly, and to wit, uh, the Ford just shared the results of this survey um, that was taken by people who have reserved the Lightning F-150 pickup that's coming out. They resurrected the name, the most appropriate name for an electric pickup ever. Um, and the survey indicates that 79% of respondents, uh, these are people buying the lightning 79% of them, uh, for those people, this will be their first electric vehicle. And that goes to my mind beyond like anecdotal evidence that EVs are gathering steam. If you'll pardon the overlap of (laughs) our methods. Um, So, J.D., I want to go to you first because I feel like we've got an opinion brewing here. Uh, Do you think stats like this or just like other evidence, whatever your feeling is, indicate that the sort of like EV inflection point when EVs maybe inevitably become the automotive standard? Have we reached that? Like, are we careening toward that future now without uh, possibility of stopping?
2: I mean, we're definitely headed that way. I think that seems that seems to be pretty clear. Um, uh, Rivian went public this week, and uh, they're now valued more than uh, Ford or General Motors. Um, and they've shipped like how many cars? Right? It's just. Mm-hmm. The, the market is clearly seeing a huge upside for electric vehicles. And, you know, they're not putting money. They, I think they lost like a, over a billion dollars putting together their um, actual production facility. So they're not anywhere close <laughs> to making money. They're losing crazy amounts of money. Um, but it, it, it's so clear that the market sees this as like a huge potential because the possibility of growth is in in the kind of estimation of the kind of market as a whole is like very likely and 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 the upside is very big so i i think it you know it's it would be a pretty surprising thing if we didn't end up going to near ubiquitous uh, electric car use i think it is a really interesting question though to think about okay like what is the metric for like this is the 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 point this is the the place where the happened right what was the turning point I would, I guess, to just, like, be a little... um, I think it's already happened, right? That, like, we're we're there. I mean, Elon Musk is the most wealthy man in the world, um, uh, in in large part because he owns Tesla. And you have these uh, electric car makers that are, you know, very nascent but still being valued at kind of billions of dollars. And, um, you know, so I think we're there. I think that, you know, you could probably try to scare up some other ways to measure it though. Right. That's not just consumer sentiment, but like, when will people stop caring when it's expensive to buy gas? That's probably the next question. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, that's when, you know, gas prices are pretty high right now. Um, and everyone's pretty pissed off about it, you know, I mean, and, and as you would be right. Um, and, and I think that when we get to a place where like that, is no longer as big of like a pocketbook uh, issue for a lot of Americans. I think it was when we'll be in a completely different sphere. But as far as tipping points, I, I think we're there.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I want to amend what I said. Obviously, we're we are definitely going to have an all electric future or mostly electric. But yeah, that that point, like it does feel like it's now or has definitely passed. Well, what do you think? Do you have a, an opinion on this matter? It kind of like, um, my perspective
1: is kind of colored, uh, in a way like someone who's sort of removed from like the car, the car shopping market for the past like five or six years, you know, yeah. since I moved to New York city, I only recently, uh, got a car again and I, you know, I don't drive it all the time. I drive it when I need to. <clears throat> so, um, I've watched kind of passively, uh, but not followed like strictly speaking. Um, the conversation sort of reminds me of how like, I thought about when I think 2007 is in the iPhone iPod touch was released um, and how quickly the conversation went from like, oh, look how fun it is to swipe through your album covers, which was like the coolest <laughs> thing on the, like, you know, you're like on the, whatever, you're like hanging out with your friends at school or talking to somebody. You're not, you're not even like doing anything else. You're just going back and forth. And like, you had to upload your album covers because otherwise it's just like, you're just going through like gray boxes. Anyways, um, how quickly we went from that. Uh, to just like I think it's I think that I I pulled this up let me me look in 2012 so five years after it came out there were a billion smartphones and in 2013 smartphones officially outnumbered all other um, phone types so it took six years for the smartphone to become like you know the large this like something that was going to happen like JD kind of mentioned right like we know this is going to happen but it took six years from uh, release to like this is officially like the dominant type of uh, you know Uh, product in this massive massive category um so so when i think of like cars it's like talk about a product it's like you know however many times larger and more difficult to build and i'm not going to get into like the complex engineering feats to make an electric car perform to the standard or better than the standard of an internal combustion engine but um you know i'm curious to see what i'm more curious of is like how long it takes um to get to that point where people are like oh you drive like a like a gas car, like there's gas in that, isn't that? What what movie is that? Is it? Oh, I, oh my god, I'm about to reference iRobot again. You are. Yes. Um, we always. I,
0: why do we always do this? Well, yeah, that's it's my
1: fault. The and iRobot. This this one of the scientists comments on Will Smith's. I think it's his motorcycle. And she says, is there gas in this? And she's like, sh- like you know, she's like taking him back. And that, every time I watch that movie, I think like, you know what, like, good point. Like, that's gonna, there's going to be a moment where I'm going to go home and, you know, hang out with my dad who's working on some, you know, 2005 Mustang in his garage, you know. And uh, he, I'm going to ask him, like, I can't believe you're – or I'm going to say, I can't believe you'll drive this. There's like, there's gasoline in there. So I'm more interested to when we get to that switch because I do agree with you guys that like it is – inevitable at this point there's like th- the amount of like you know money and people and minds and what have you kind of pushing us toward this uh it feels like it's just something that's going to happen rather than like whether it could happen
0: yeah and you know i at the risk of of digging up a somewhat stale topic, I think that the we would be much i mean it's very obvious to say it too is it, but we would be much further into the era of EV, if the infrastructure were there, I think that cities are, you know, a prime example of where electric cars could be of use. And like, we just don't have the charging, uh, around, um, to sort of like live with one in small Brooklyn streets, for instance. Um, but you're talking about, uh you know used cars buying cars all that stuff the, the one of the biggest problems with evs has always been range anxiety range anxiety was this was kind of like the y2k of <laughs> like ev future it's like this this will be the the scariest thing you've ever dealt with in your life you will you will be stranded when your car bricks on a highway and there will be no one to save you. No one can hear you scream. And I think there's that's still part of it like that's obviously a, a big big uh selling point for you know more and more improved versions of electric cars, but I wonder is there are there other things that we're starting to wonder? That was kind of this is a long way of saying that the other thing is like how are we thinking about electric cars now? Are we thinking about them in a different way? And I feel like maybe we're start to see starting to see them as just like normal cars and that range anxiety is just kind of like a normal part of ownership now and not so much a specter in the distance
1: it's interesting like how, i was thinking about how like my own like pers- like my view of electric vehicles has changed uh and i think if you had like told me about an F-150 that was, like, full electric five years ago when I was uh, driving around all the time, I would have thought it's kind of like... um like when vegetarian food first started becoming popular, it was like hell. The the chefs were like hell bent on making vegetarian food that looked like you know the like traditional like meat foods. So like a you know a broccoli in a hot dog bun or something. You know like something like that. Like it, it's like you're trying to force something. But it's funny now when I think of so, when I when when I was reading these stories with the the lightning, um, I didn't think that at all. You know. Um, so I don't know if it's like something that like a moment like where you like, like the light goes on. You're like, Oh, there's not like a serious difference or not. But for me, it's sort of like been a gradual, um, uh, just understanding over time, I guess. Um, that like there's, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not just going to be like a a one-off, uh, a Mm one-off thing. Like this is something that's going to like populate the future for, you know,
2: the foreseeable stretch of time. It's, it's almost like an unanswerable question about, you know how the culture regards a car and like when that changed um because it's, it's always going to be kind of different for everybody and you'll probably have a consensus but i remember in in college studying history and there was this joke that like oh yeah like everyone disagrees i mean it's like it's no it was um there's a joke that uh, all these different like history professors would like to argue about when something really started and that like whoever could like push it back the furthest was like the king, you know, the person who, you know, have a, like a semi-decent argument about it. It's like, well, World War Two actually started in 18, you know, something. Oh, my right? gosh. <laughs> you know? That is like yeah, the yeah, yeah.
0: thing. I love that. That's Yeah,
2: incredible. it's it's great. But like, I, I'm sure you could do the same thing with this game. But it, it definitely does feel like it's something in the past couple of years that it's just something clicked. Yeah. Um, uh, but then again, we are all a, a kind of homogenous group being a bunch of folks living in, in Brooklyn. So who knows? It's, it's probably, a, <laughs> some different perspectives no. <laughs> out there,
0: but no, you people are nothing like me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd love to hear if anybody has an opinion about like, if has anybody listening, um, has your opinion or your feelings about. Uh, EVs change recently are suddenly like finding yourself thinking about them or cross shopping them um, and that's a question I, I had sort of soft pitched to you guys let's say hypothetically you are going to buy a, a car a new car are you cross shopping internal combustion with electric are you even thinking about gas cars anymore like what's the what's your thought on that like how much has it pervaded your uh your paradigm I mean, I, I'm I'm so far out of the, the car market,
2: but the one thing I do know is that there are a lot of pretty good tax incentives to get an EV. So I think it would definitely factor in in terms of just thinking about overall cost. Um, though I don't know, there is some part of me that wants to be like the guy ten years ago buying Pokemon cards because he knew it would pop off. <laughs> so maybe I'd get maybe I'd get that you know that really rare that really rare internal combustion engine, keep it nice and minty until I sell it in like 2060 yeah there you go i was thinking you know
1: uh i was i I recently came upon a life event that would uh, earn me um a garage for some for the first time in my adult well my own garage you know potentially moving into a house we'll see um and i was thinking you know as one does thinking too far into the future and i was like my ideal garage setup would be an ev uh and then a motorcycle like a proper like you know internal combustion motorcycle so i could have like that little like flare that taste of uh something that you know really probably well for all intents and purposes like it's you know it's not really necessary at all but i just like want it and i need to have it you know so um for me uh if i'm gonna buy a full-size vehicle though and it's more, i should say a new full-size vehicle um i i don't see a reason especially just considering you know where we live uh to to not go uh, ev um say cross shopping not so much um i would ev first and then some swanky motorcycle a couple years down the line
0: Yeah, I can see you in like a like a Tesla and one of those choppers with like the handlebars. You have to extend (laughs) your arms.
1: You can. You can see that. Thank you. Yeah, take that as a compliment.
0: Um, I don't know. I can go on about this forever, Uh, but uh, good points all around. And uh, I don't know, EV inflection point. We're probably in the middle of it. It's it really is. You you alluded to like history, learning about history and such. It is like usually you can't actually see the area you're in, you know, for in to some degree, at yeah. least. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, let's just k- keep moving along down the road, silently, perhaps. Um, next up, we have uh, a different sort of worse kind of trend, <laughs> uh, which is the, the, the growing, no pun intended, didn't even realize that one, uh, the growing need for alternative crops. Um, so... Coffee beans are in danger the very long story short uh, and will I know you'll specifically correct me if I get any of this wrong is that the overwhelming amount of coffee is made using two types of beans, both of which can be grown only in a, on a thin strip of the planet uh, in the southern hemisphere and a few factors like worsening climate conditions and this this rampant fungus. Uh, situation that's going on and just some farming practices in general are making bean farming very difficult and making like successful coffee crops hard to come by. Um, but scientists have found this new bean variety that's hardier and very similar to the you know, current uh, go-to beans, but it's a race against time. Coffee prices have already begun to spike. It's a whole thing. And then there's a related story uh, that JD actually shared with the company, with the company, with Gear Patrol, with Slack to everybody, uh, from Heinz, uh, who just announced Mars Edition Ketchup, and that's Mars with a Z. Uh, it's made from tomatoes that have been grown on Earth, but in a Martian, in Martian conditions, uh, synthetic conditions. So. Anyway, the trend here is that crops are in danger or will be, and there are efforts underway to find alternative growing methods um, and totally alternative crops. So, Will, you are our resident coffee encyclopedia person. Mm. Encyclopedia Brown, if you will. (laughs) Uh, And I wonder if – can you (laughs) – can you weigh in on how bad the coffee bean situation is yeah, and your pretty, take on all this?
1: It's pretty ugly, you know. Um, the So, like you said, the, there's two. There's like 100 and uh, – I can't remember how many hundred, nearly 200 types of coffee plant in the world. Um, but uh, only two are used, uh, well, uh, in, with, in, with some extreme exceptions. Only two are used for uh, production for people to drink. Uh, it's Arabica, Arabica and Robusta. Um, and, uh, you know, the – the former Arabica right? is typically considered like the the better coffee, um, you know, lighter, more flavorful, a little less bitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And robustest is to, you know has always been, uh, you know, as according to it, as its name might imply, rather, it's you know it's a it's a tougher coffee. It, it withstands the elements a little better. It can kind of like live through a little bit more. It's a little more of a <clears throat> shorter, stockier plant. Um, the issue, the issue, like. I think i think the easiest way to like you know when you're explaining the issue nick it kind of you kind of have to go through all these like hoops to explain like well the genetics of the coffee plant and like you know farming practices and there's also this thing called rust leaf which is like a fungal you know disease that like destroys plants and then there's also like issues of like supply chain caused by the pandemic and so sort of there's all these things in the end, the end result um less dramatic Change happens in the next, you know, five to ten years. Will be, you know, the average cup of coffee at a at a uh, at your neighborhood spot, or the average bag of coffee, um, and this is this goes for everything from folgers to starbucks to a specialty grade roaster um will be dramatically increased uh you know just this year i think the number i have in front of me is right just this year arabica beans are up in price by like something like 43% um and that's not that's not just because of the issues that we you talked about um it's also because of you know logistic and shipping issues with co- due to covid but um, you know the the numbers are only going up, and it it could you know, even the, the the companies that make this coffee and produce it, roast it, sell it, et cetera they're only going to bear bear that cost um for so long um i don't think it's I don't think we're terribly far away from you know cups of coffee costing uh seven eight nine ten dollars, and then all the way up at some point, especially for the higher end stuff at fifteen twenty dollars a cup I, people will think that that's obscene, but um almost all data points to us heading in that direction unless there's like some great silver bullet found, which right now it doesn't seem like that's likely. We'll see though.
0: You don't think this new, this new bean isn't a silver beanet?
1: It's, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of times, uh, People like me and uh, you know other other media outlets. They the, the new you know it's nice to see like some like positive news in the space and like big stories are written up on the subject. But the reality is so there's so little money that goes into research um, uh, into the coffee plant and into how to make the coffee. You know all these issues that we're talking about, and then even less money into implementing this at the farm level. And people forget that the farm level in the coffee world is often in you know parts of the world that are. Inex- not maybe not inaccessible but less accessible uh, than say you know when we're talking about like monoculture corn, right, or or rice or whatever. Um, so it you know th- maybe may this maybe this new or th- this recently found plant, uh, which I which I believe is supposed to you know have nice light flavor, kind of similar to Arabica, but also be a little sturdier when uh, in regards to like I think it can live under and like higher temperature climate i can't remember the exact specifics that could be could be a silver bullet in some cases but uh, what everything i know about the space and in coffee research is that the uh there's just there there are a lot of issues in getting from like the science of this this solves some problems to getting plants in the ground growing coffee and at a scale large enough to make a serious serious difference Um, it's a it's a pretty it's honestly, it's it's a pretty hard subject to read on because it's hard to find news that is unequivocally good. Is what I would say.
2: the the one the one bit that I found interesting about this stenophila um, kind of plant was from James Hoffman, uh, the kind of YouTube creator. Uh, he's he did a whole video on this. In in general, his content on coffee, if you're interested in coffee is really very excellent, very accessible, kind of like breaks down a lot of the stuff that otherwise can feel a bit um, hard to wrap your head around uh, about coffee uh, very well. And he dove into this in particular and actually cupped um, some some roasted stenophila. Um, And, you know, the thing that I found really encouraging about it um, to kind of try to look more on that sunny side of things is just it tasted good, you know. And (laughs) in addition to being resilient, um, you know, tasting good. I mean, people will always talk about their altruistic goals, but ultimately folks tend to be just more, you know, self-serving. Um, and it just kind of is what it is. And so, so long as, you know, the product at the center is, that's being offered is like good. Um, I, I do have some hope that, that this bean could end up being, or this, this kind of variety of the plant could end up being more popular and stave off, um, you know incredibly expensive cups of coffee but like you said i mean like where these where these plants are grown is um it's not it's not somewhere off the i-95 in california um (laughs) they're hard to access places places in the world and um I, i i don't know it's it it seems like a big question mark but it is kind of exciting to see that there's maybe you know some some road that is worth traveling
1: yeah yeah there's a there's another there was another a few years ago sort of the buzzier option was something called an f one hybrid, which is a, a a plant that they were going to you know basically create uh, where they they created you know you bunch a traits of a bunch of different coffees um, and like you said, uh, I remember in discussions with some of the researchers who were who had uh, worked on the project or, were propagated or talking about the, even the people who were cloning the plant, um, there, the baseline was that the coffee needed to taste good. As you said, it's like, um, all like, there's a reason we only drink two of the, of the 175, whatever coffee, uh, plant varieties is because only two of them are really palatable, um, for what people expect out of coffee. So if this third one is, uh, can extend the, or, you know, extend the range at which we can produce the, the plant. And then it also sort of it checks the box of like, this doesn't taste like a pile of nothing. You know, it's, that is huge for sure. I would like to see it happen.
0: Yeah. The, uh, that figure you, you mentioned about the, the, the horror of very, very high priced coffee cups, cups of coffee. will is, is staggering. I hadn't, i hadn't really absorbed that uh so much i actually i try to purchase like individual cups of coffee kind of rarely um you know for the millennial avocado toast situation (laughs) but um like just this morning i got a a cold brew five and a half bucks and that seems steep already get my fix for three or four times more that sucks
1: the sort of paradox yeah. of this this topic is that like right now, like right now, the very present and then the last couple of years, um, there really hasn't been a better time to be kind of like a coffee nerd, like someone who just really likes drinking good coffee just because mm. of the absolute wealth of uh, really, really, really talented coffee roasters and also more very good coffee being grown and grown for quality rather than volume um, and that coffee you know finding its way all over the planet. Um, and there's a ton of reasons why that's the case but right now you can get your hands on so much good coffee uh that is such high quality and it's still you know it's not I mean you know I bought I buy my I typically buy my coffee in like you know two or three bags at a time from like a roaster I haven't tried before or something and you know 19 to 23 dollars a bag uh for me for the how for how for how much this coffee uh whether for how much, like you know, these farms are investing, how much these roasters are are testing and retesting, and you know, hitting the right roast profiles, doing all the work, nineteen to twenty-three dollars a bag isn't bad, but um, that uh, that's projected to move up very, very, very quickly. So I'm um, I, I would say I'm cherishing it for as long as uh, it lasts. Yeah, that's
0: really so. wild. Sorry, Jay. Maybe we'll all just get a lot more used
2: to drinking some some gnarly robusta with a whole lot of a whole lot of. <laughs> Oat milk or whatever whatever we've decided in, you know, 2028 20,
0: is, like, the mm. thing we want to put in our coffee instead of uh, whole milk.
1: We're going to be you know what I was-
0: flavoring water with, with like, co- coffee extract or, like, fake, <laughs> and then, like, brewing, like, yeah. putting Adderall through our coffee <laughs> machines or something just to keep it... You know what go I was on.
1: thinking is like, I could see, you know, like, like maybe we do reach like this, like, uh, or, you know, we do reach the point where coffee is just like inaccessible as like an every morning thing, at least, at least like decent coffee. So you reach the point where like, you know, you have, uh, you go to like a, a coffee shop and it's almost like a wine shop, you know, and like mm-hmm. it's all, it's treated as like a, I don't know, like something, you know, right now I know a lot of people who make pour over on the weekends or something. So like, maybe you have like your, you have your, your nice coffee reserved only for like Saturday and the rest of the week you're drinking, like you said, some brutal, like, <laughs> like <laughs> dust Folgers that you have to like, you yeah, know, blend into something percent milk. I don't know, but, um, I could see that. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe that would be fun,
2: but I, uh, I definitely think that Whatever form it's going to take, I think some kind of caffeinated drink has got to stick around. I, Michael Pollan was doing this, this kind of the rounds and media promoting his book, uh, "This Is Your Mind on Plants," earlier this year, and and the bit that everyone loved to hear him talk about was coffee, and he has essentially this theory of the plant, right? The theory of the history of the plant, that it's not that we industrialized as a country or that their industrialization took place and that we started drinking more coffee. It was that we started drinking coffee and we became industrialized <laughs> that like it literally changed. It It changed the way that we thought and acted and like participated in society. And I do think it's, it's just kind of worth putting a pin in that. I mean, you can agree or disagree. I think reasonable people can on that like theory of it, but it, you know, it isn't just this thing that like, people who like to drink coffee in the morning don't want to like spend twenty dollars not to get a headache anymore it's a pretty profound the 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 coffee plant has a pretty profound and important place in um kind of western or, or not just western but in in kind of modern culture in general and the idea that it could go away is like actually pretty kind of astounding
0: yeah i mean it's just i always think of coffee in the same sort of like cognitive breath as uh they're like the East India Company, like the spice trade. It's they're all interwoven, and it's like that's like human history. Um, not to mention, like the mm-hmm. only reason that I can show up and with a smile on my face to our you know nine thirty a.m. all hands meetings every week. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's wild, and you know that also also brings to mind uh, anecdotes about like Depression era people getting, having to, like, reuse tea bags and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: That's a hor- I mean, horrific idea of the future. It's like a, I, I kind of like the
1: discussion of, like, the, like it, the the future of, like, relationships to work and work in general. It's like, you know, in that same book, I think, uh, Pol- that JD referenced the Poland book, he talks about, uh, uh, I'm going to probably say this wrong, but psilocybin mushrooms and, like, you mm-hmm. know, sort of microdosing in that uh, as as an activity that's, you know, there's, like, kind of fairly convincing or, or at least suggestive research that's, you know, that there's a lot of positives to be taken from it. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of shifting that's going – there's a lot of shifting that had gone on in work culture even before COVID, but now that COVID has hit and sort of in some ways will permanently reshape how we work, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Maybe maybe there's a discussion to be had about the uh, the stimulant of you know the post-industrialized <laughs> uh, United States because in some respects you know it is like it's a pretty Byzantine uh, Byz- Byzantine system we have set up right now. Like wake up, like oh gosh, I need a, like my injection of you know caffeine before I can function. Yep. It's not uh, it's not the most wholesome, I guess, relationship to a food. But very I mean often.
0: It. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm totally bought into this this uh, yeah. lifestyle. I will go to bed sometimes and like, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe it's like, you know, only Tuesday night. Whatever, what a long week. At least I get to have coffee when I wake up. Well, like the mm-hmm. next time I'm conscious, <laughs> at least I get to have coffee. Um, it's a really, it's a really sick feeling, but it's it's how I how I operate. Um, so we we haven't even talked about the the martian ketchup which i'm not sure we really need to um too much but it does you know another question came to mind that i shared with you guys uh i guess yesterday um that we're kind of naturally getting toward here is like so coffee gonna be really rare if scientists somewhere are able to synthetically reproduce a coffee bean like we do with in a in a way like we do with impossible meat and such, is that something that you th- think would be accepted, or would that just be a drug?
1: <laughs> I think I mean I, you know if we take if we take the discussion we're having to its logical endpoint of, of of like you know proper uh, natural coffee being like, you know, this ultra expensive, almost luxury, then I don't see any reason why an affordable synthetic version would be, would not be adopted. But, uh, you know, as so long as it, it, as it reaches some benchmark of like, you know, it's not, it's not unpleasurable to consume, right? Like it has to, I know people, you we've made fun of people who like love Folgers or something, but at the end of the day, you can put a little bit of cream in Folgers and it's not going to, you know, it's, it's not like that offensive. Right. So, uh, If it hits that, I think I I don't see any reason why I wouldn't do what it needs to do.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of folks who have a lot of um, kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, concerns about genetically modified food and everything else and kind of aesthetic responses to it. Man, I'm I'm all about it. It's good. (laughs) We should be able to just like, if you can turn up the food dial, you know, make sure that we have enough of what we need. It's a good thing, you know? I mean, yeah. all these other kind of concerns aside, like, I don't know. I, I There kind of comes the question of, like, how we're distributing it, which has always been the problem. <laughs> but... Mm. So long as so long as there's enough, man. I mean, it's all it's all good by me. I'll I'll drink some space coffee. I'll, I'll eat some space ketchup.
1: <laughs> on the next episode of Guillotino, the podcast is a discussion of uh, yeah. like localization of supply chain distribution <laughs>
0: and how yeah. it relates to the movie uh, AI iRobot. Thank you, iRobot. iRobot. I robot. robot. I robot. Yeah. I robot right?
1: <laughs> you know, I don't even try to do that. It just comes. I just get on this podcast, and all of a sudden, I'm just feeling. I, I might. I honestly, I might rewatch it tonight.
0: We need. I need to get. Will Smith on this podcast, right? <laughs> and we can have you two wills. You could just we can get the other will, Motoring Will, and just the wills can talk about AI mm-hmm. uh, or whatever it is. Uh AI I, I robot and iRobot. robot. The you mentioned um I'm really going on a tangent here with this this like fake coffee thing, but like it, it's almost like we're, uh, like a bathtub gin kind of thing, and it <laughs> makes makes me think of. Uh, do you guys watch Succession? Are you Succession watchers? I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, the yeah. so hopefully, yeah, it's incredible. It's hopefully, listeners uh, are interested enough to remember in uh, the most recent episode the uh, the toilet wine conversation. <laughs> We have to burp the bag of toilet wine um, I can't wait to be to do that every morning in my you know as I like do making my pour over bootleg methamphetamine I have to burp my uh, whatever it is okay, well I, uh, maybe I had too much coffee today maybe that maybe I'm the problem <laughs> um. But yeah, so we, we're not going to have time to really touch on the Martian ketchup, but it is a really interesting story that is obviously going to be linked below. People should definitely look at that. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's the idea that um, we can simulate other environments and hopefully uh, whenever Elon takes us up there, um, oh have something to eat or at least put on our fake broccoli hot dogs or whatever you were talking about, Well, <laughs> Uh, so third story of our three main headlines is, uh, well, it's game time. That's what it's about. Uh, Netflix games is now available on iPhones and iPads in addition to Android devices where um, it's been available for a little while. Um, and I wanted to include this story, not so much to parse apart like the this announcement for i. You know iOS devices, but to more discuss the intersection of streaming and gaming a little more conceptually. Um, Will I know you're a you're a storied gamer, Um, Mm -hmm. JD? I'm actually not sure about you. Uh, Been I I like video games a lot, Um, and I think the concept of like a Netflix of gaming is smart too. Um, But this is not really what I would picture that being right this these are the available titles we're talking about with netflix games are kind of like more lighter they're lighter fare they're mobile games more or less uh, not like console games not famous ones like gta or you know call of duty or whatever so obviously a lot of bias in this question <laughs> because of that but i'm wondering what your opinions are on that like jd do you think that Netflix games uh is like a step toward that model, or is this something else entirely, or is this something attractive at all, or just don't answer my question and say whatever you want? (laughs)
2: Yeah, so many options, man. That's great. (laughs) Um Yeah, I don't know. I I I was reading about this and it was like this feels like it's aimed at me, like in particular. like type of person. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I just I don't want to buy a game console. Like, I, I didn't yeah. have them growing up. Um, I had I did play Counter-Strike uh, Global Offensive uh, for a period of time and became way too invested. And so <laughs> I've pretty much just said I'll never do anything other than casual gaming. Um, and I won't allow myself to buy, like, anything that would make it easier. So if it's coming with Netflix, then, like, I guess I can mess around with it. But um, I, it seems kind of fun. It's nice to, like, not have to you know, you could still game and like not feel like you have to buy into things, buy into like the infrastructure of it, like a PC or a console and like $60 AAA titles, you know, it's just, yeah. you can get on and goof around and, and kind of log out, um, in the same way that I watched Seinfeld. So it was nice. <laughs>
0: just like son. <laughs> well, what about you? You, you game, you're a game guy. Yeah, I do right. play a lot of video games. Yeah, um,
1: uh, I uh, for some context, I play. Uh, I'm, I'm like I've like a computer that I made for playing games. I obviously have like a like an Xbox One. Yeah, I play. I play probably too many video. I'm like the polar opposite of JD, who has a very healthy mindset when it comes to things that perhaps take up too much of your time.
0: Well, I I would also invite you to weigh in on the story we're discussing.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, that's what we're here for.
0: Um, yeah. What, what, I, uh, do you, what do you think? Like, you have consoles, but like, are you interested in mobile gaming, or is this like...
1: Yeah, mobile gaming is, is like a massive market, so I understand why they would kind of crack that first, if just from a business perspective. Um, especially, you know, one thing that did strike me was odd, uh, well, maybe not that odd, but uh, when I think of mobile gaming, and this isn't... Uh, this isn't like necessarily like the end-all- be-all truth but um, a, a pretty significant percentage of mobile uh, people playing games on their phones are uh, kids especially kids playing on like you know like their parents, like iPads or cell phones yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, but uh, Netflix games is actually disabled on kids' profiles on Netflix, which I thought was, a. Uh, I mean, you know, it's probably for the best. It seems like the responsible choice, but I'm sure that, you know, kids that are born into iPads and iPhones nowadays can navigate their way around the kids' profiles to their parents' profiles. But Um, I did think that was odd because my first thought was my nephew and niece, um, you know, stealing my, uh, brother-in-law's iPad and going and running in the basement and playing the stranger things game and getting like way too scared and having nightmares. That's then immediately what I thought. Um, for me though, uh, it's not super interesting. Um, it's a, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a really, really mild form of like cloud-based gaming in a way. Um, and, uh, for me, a closer thing to the Netflix of games, at least like, you know, it's actually, I'm sure that analogy has been used by a hundred different people at this point. Is something like Xbox Game Pass. Um, yeah. Which is a, a service that you, you know, you pay whatever dollars a month. I don't remember what it is anymore. And um, you can, they give you, there's, you have access to like, you know, a massive, games library, and you can download those games uh, onto your console or onto your PC, um, you know, and play them as much as you want, as little as you want, and then uninstall them. And, you know, you can have as many as you want or as few as you want. Um, and for that, you do need, as JD said, sort of the infrastructure to play games, a computer or a, or a console. But um, that is much closer to what it, something that uh, is the Netflix of games than than what Netflix is actually doing itself.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I... I, I I, was remiss in not talking about those those uh, sort of like uh, systems because uh, I've used them before, like the, the sort of like subscription service, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but I really just want to like have a smart TV and plug in a controller and just have a vast library that I can call up on a whim and not have to download and not have to do all sorts of other crap. Um,
1: yeah, I think that I think that like especially if you're if what you want are like uh, those higher end more triple A games like you mentioned Grand Theft Auto or Call of Duty or Battlefield or any of them right is like I think that's a pretty far distance away just because cloud cloud based gaming requires like absolutely massive. Uh, server side and hardware side um investment on you know because basically what it's going to be doing is like if you if you were to have a smart tv and you wanted to play call of duty on it but you didn't want to have the console and you didn't want to download anything it would require um you know a computer somewhere you know in some massive computer server farm uh to be running an image of that game um and feeding it into your tv without enough without so much latency as to kind of like ruin the gaming experience so you would have to have like incredibly strong internet connection um that you know there would have to there's it's a lot of hardware and a lot of uh a lot of infrastructure that doesn't currently exist um but that is that is like yeah like the golden future as you're saying like uh uh, that's not something that i i i don't see that happening there's there's a few small companies or not they're not small there's a few smaller companies that are investing and moving in that direction but for now it doesn't seem like a, you know a, uh, a huge priority
0: that's because we're we're using those servers for nfts
1: <laughs> that's right yeah. is that right
0: exactly. uh yeah uh well okay fine you talk me off the ledge i'll just have to wait for the far future when i can't have caffeine and i can have <laughs> video games Underman. um do you remember gamefly by the way yeah gamefly there was like a mm-hmm. delivery mail it was literally
1: the netflix of games when netflix yeah. mailed you dvds they would mail yeah. you it would mail you games but you could only have i think two at a time yeah um and if you didn't return the previous one it wouldn't even let you check out another one i i, I had it for like a month and my dad got so mad at me because i racked up like hundreds of dollars and uh, replacement or late, <laughs> I can't remember what the fees were, but um, oh, that's awesome. it's a scar in our relationship to this day. So
0: my parents <laughs> still have a DVD subscription on Netflix. They still get DVDs.
1: Can we do a Q&A with them on, on the <laughs> site? That's a r- remarkable <laughs> fact, actually.
0: Yeah, I'll let Eric know. Um, okay, cool. Let's wrap up uh, major headlines there and move on. I can hear ice clinking around in a glass well sounds like Mm. you're getting ready for a parade dinner cocktails (laughs) which are the last segment of the podcast which um is something we haven't done in a while we're just kind of straight up gonna talk about some cool new products um we love to have longer conversations about the ideas behind recent product news like we've been doing uh fair listener but what about new products that we just think are super cool uh, so we're going to quickly go around the room to kind of mention some things that we are uh that we've loved recently in the last several days uh something that caught our eye and uh, we'll drop the links below will do you want to begin
1: yeah um in the i think this came out uh, it's, it started rolling out in the u.s at the beginning of november but uh the news is really more recent um is uh jack daniel's uh coy hill high proof it's a single barrel limited uh limited time product it's only going to be released this year at least right now that is that's, that's what we know um it is uh it is it was sort of a startling thing to read in my in my inbox so it's called coy hill high proof the high proof being like the the operant part of that name it is the bottles clock between 137 that is the low end and 148 proof um so Whoa. if people if, if you if you drink by oh alcohol by volume that's like 148 proof is like what 100 or no it's uh, like 79 or no what am I 69 percent alcohol is that right am I, am I doing the right? no it's 79 percent alcohol Half. yeah oh my god I'm not good at math anyways you get you guys get what you guys get what I'm saying it's an absolutely massive amount of alcohol um, like just just for context uh, the TTB or the to, what is the, the alcohol and tobacco Tobacco Tax and Trade something or other bureau, um, their legal limit for proof in the bottle for, a, for a bourbon whiskey, which Tennessee whiskey technically is by legal standards is 160 proof. So this is almost, this is 12 proof points off the legal limit for what bourbon can be. You know, it's like we're nearing like 151, like Bacardi levels of alcohol, um, so I have a feeling that this will be, um, I'm actually sipping, I've si- been sipping it through this podcast, not the 148, I was not, that was not sampled, the 148, but um, it is, uh, it, it drinks, it drinks hot, but uh, it is a remarkably, I mean, it's also, it's the highest proof ever in a Jack Daniels, blah, 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 but it's, it's a fascinating, uh, like the most extreme variant of high proof whiskey I've ever had.
0: That's wild. I mean, maybe that you mentioned your ice is melting quickly. Maybe that's why, higher proof?
1: I have no idea, but I'd like legitimately, like, I don't know if I would like have like an open flame if around, if I had like the 148 proof. And I also have a pretty, pretty good idea that like, if people who get their hands on 108, 148 proof bottle, I bet you that will sell for, you know, in, in questionably legal markets for way, way, way more money than that's selling at retail. Uh, People will obsess over this. I can almost guarantee it.
0: Interesting. So people got to get on it. Uh, and someday when you hop on that motorcycle in your dream garage, someone's going to say, hey, is there gasoline in that thing? And you're going to say, no, would you believe Jack <laughs> Daniels? <laughs> uh, Thank you. That wraps God. it up, I think. Yep, we can just call it quits there. Uh, mm. Or we can ask JD uh, what uh, what's on his product radar right now.
2: Yeah, I think something that came out this week I thought was pretty cool was uh, Tudor... Redesigned their Palagos um, in mm-hmm. concert with the French Navy, um, Marine Nationale. Those, those, they're so fancy, man. They even got fancy names for the military. I love it. Um, I love but, yeah, they, they, they slimmed down the profile of the watch a bit. Um, it's still, the case is still made out of titanium. They removed the helium escape valve um, and actually reduced its water resistance by about 300 meters, which is kind of interesting. But... Um, most of, I guess, most of the, you know, operations that these, you know, combat, um, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what the correct term is. And I'm sure I'd get kind of scolded for not getting it right. But these tough people who are <laughs> fighting professionally, um, most of it's, you know, in, in, in comparatively shallower water. So it's not that necessary. But I think from a pure design perspective, though, they, they actually updated the bezel and put on kind of a new typeface. Uh, and it just looks really sharp. Um, it's an attractive looking watch and, um, it comes with a couple of straps, um, are kind of NATO style, they removed spring bars. So you can't actually like put on a bracelet, um, it, ha- or it has hmm. to be a kind of strap you kind of snake through it like NATO style. Um, but you know, for essentially a high end Swiss watch, which is what these are, um, and we've talked about you know watch prices on this show before, but it's like thirty nine hundred dollars, um, and it's expensive. It's a very expensive thing. I want to be clear. I know this, <laughs> but compared to what is out there, it's a pretty good deal for a pretty handsome watch, in my opinion. So that really caught my eye. I thought it was, I thought it was a cool release that uh, they kind of dropped, and uh, it really came out of nowhere. So it's pretty neat. Can you believe Gear Patrol thinks thirty nine
1: hundred dollars is a good deal for a watch? These guys. These guys,
0: I'm gonna write yeah. in, send the mail to Nick, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I love getting mail, so that's that'd be nice um and i I haven't been threatened yet this week, uh, so do you guys want to hear of mine yeah, 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 okay, uh, yeah. so I'm um, just sort of drafts off the earlier conversation about e v s um and there's this product. It's not actually out yet, but it's just been announced called zip charge. And it is literally a suitcase sized power bank for electric cars. So like, this is this combats that range anxiety I was talking about. Um, it's a British startup. It was announced at the the climate summit that's going on right now. Uh, there are going to be a couple different capacities. And, and the, the basic thing is that like at 30 minutes, you can take this thing out of your trunk. Plug, your, plug it into your car and get, like, 20, 40 miles of range. Um, let me see. Uh, shipments begin a year from now, and pricing isn't totally clear yet. You're going to be able to buy these outright, but so far only. Like, a monthly lease program has been revealed, and it's, like, about 70 bucks in the United States. Um, and I think this is really... I think this is cool like in from a very specific perspective because a big part of me wants to be uh a little cynical and say this is kind of like the same thing but like having to buy a case for my $1000 phone you know <laughs> it's like I heard I have an electric car like it should I should just be able to keep going but now I have to keep a suitcase in the part of the trunk to like make sure that i don't run out of juice in the desert um but i mean it's going to be it's a niche market it's a market that's going to be needed and uh no doubt like it's really pretty too i think that's maybe what attracted me so much is that the design is really uh, kind of lovely so
1: they should have packaged it like um what is the uh, the first fast and the furious movie when and like they how all the guys just constantly like tapping like the nas tanks or whatever Area. Like just put all the put all the machinery inside of a Nas tank and then everybody who thinks it's like dweeby to get out of the back you know, get in your car and get your little electro suitcase and plug it in like immediately. You have like Vin Diesel energy about you, you know? Like I think that's I think that's the move. That's free uh free consulting.
0: That's good. Well yeah, I like the idea of like shaping this of something something like uh like the the lantern from the that shitty Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had to like recharge himself.
1: That was the worst. But he I think he even hates that yeah, movie. yeah,
0: anyways. Uh yeah. I'm sure there's something in uh in what is what is your movie, Will?
1: Fast and Furious. Come on. No.
0: Artificial Oh iRobot. iRobot. Mm-hmm. Hmm. No, I if think there that was just
2: the iRobot version of, for these batteries they'd they'd come to life and take over. No, they, Will, Smith would, <laughs> Will Smith would have to say some pithy lines and wear some cool Chuck Taylors and uh, save the world. So, uh, he does I don't know have cool Chuck one. Taylors.
1: That's the next right. episode. We'll talk about Converse All-Stars and talk about Chuck Taylors. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, you're writing it for me. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good. There you have it. Um, three products on our individual radars and collective radars and everybody's radar. Whatever. It's we're, three products we love. Uh, if you want more the quick hit product news, we, meaning Gear Patrol, publish a uh, roundup of the best new gear uh, in a daily column called Today in Gear. You're probably, if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar, but uh, we linked it below. Um, and if you sign up for The Dispatch, which is our, our newsletter, comes out every day, you will always see Today in Gear right up toward the top. So there's there's a lot more like this quick hit stuff, uh, and I encourage you to check it out. Fellas, it's time to be done for the episode. Um, we've had a successful, nice, long chit-chat. And I want to invite everyone to check out links below to everything we just talked about. Follow us on social media. Email us at podcast at dot com uh, with all the ire that uh, JD just uh, engendered in you with... Uh, his cheap watch uh, recommendation and uh (laughs) subscribe to the pod too. rate it five stars on apple podcasts and i will be your friend for life unless you threaten me uh, in an email uh jd and will thank you so much for your time and your undying friendship thank you you're welcome nick
1: um i was gonna say you're welcome it's now pitch black in my office so
0: Yeah, it has been quite interesting watching the light literally fade from all of our video Mm -hmm. screens here as uh, the the sun sets on an ungrateful world. Uh, Anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining. And until next time, take care.